Hello, hi, I'm Zanzi, and welcome back to the Health for Mzanzi podcast, episode 92. Proudly brought to you by Health for Mzanzi. I'm your host, Joe, and I'm excited to walk this health and wellness journey with you. Remember, nothing is of limits. Today's discussion is one of those hard topics, but yet a very real reality that some females have experienced. As you know, for the month of May, we are focusing on all things motherhood, trying to unpack every corner and every aspect of this varied theme. However, it is a reality that some females are introduced to motherhood in ways that have been abusive or matters of urgency. Examples of this is rape or a sibling taking over a household and mothering her younger siblings due to unfortunate circumstances. To shed some light on this matter, I will be talking to Ronal Kukumur, who has worked with survivors of sexual violence for over six years and has been involved in counseling, advocacy and training. She is also the counseling coordinator at Rape Crisis Cape Town Trust. Renal, thank you so much for joining us on this very difficult conversation. But I do believe that one we need to have because motherhood is very right. So we aim to just chat about all corners and aspects of motherhood. Before we get into the discussion, let us first start with what do the current stats look like for females that have been victims of rape in South Africa? It's always such a tricky question when it Mm. comes to stats. They are a very poor reflection with the reality. What we do have is the quarterly crime stats, which get released. And the last reported, the number was 5,935 people who were raped between October and December. Sure. So that's just the cases that are reported. But an interesting sort of aspect of that is also sort of the age breakdown over time. And there was a very interesting study published in 2017, which looked at the sort of journey of rape survivors through the criminal justice system. And they have quite an interesting breakdown of the ages of women who are raped in the different provinces. The average age overall is something like 21. Of the youngest women being victimized are in KwaZulu-Natal, and their average age is 17.8. And then the oldest sort of group is in the Northern Cape, where their average age is 23.4. So those stats, I think, are also quite interesting in terms of just to get a picture of who is being victimized. And yeah. How that varies, I think, as well between the provinces. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, just thinking that, unfortunately, these sort of experiences that women are victims of sometimes have a certain outcome. And the outcome we're speaking about today is sometimes that experience turns them into a mother. What impact do you say this has on the individual? When you mean in terms of whether they become pregnant or they become mothers? Yes, exactly that. The impact is huge, right? Because it is quite a sort of life-altering thing at the best of times, never mind in the wake of sexual violence. And in South Africa, actually, postnatal depression has been called an epidemic. And I think a lot of people... There's still a lot of stigma around those sort of things, but also especially when the relationship to the father is much more complicated because it means that the support network, your conventional one, and is not necessarily there. So a lot of people report feelings of despair, feelings of hopelessness, feelings of resentment and anger. 
especially when they're having to deal with the sort of consequence of crime, essentially. Yeah. It makes the impact of the sexual violence last so much longer. But obviously it varies. I mean, we've definitely seen clients who have children as a result of being raped and they have beautiful, strong relationships with their child. And, you know, there's a positive impact. But we've also the exact opposite where, you know, 15 years down the line, that mother is still feeling very resentful, very angry, and they take it out on the child because that's the easiest person to sort of assign blame to, I think, as well. Lots of feelings of despair, and especially with mothers who are living in lower income brackets or living in poverty, especially because of the huge financial needs and demands of children and childcare and the burden it places on mothers. Having a child unexpectedly can expose like the lack that the mother has in her own socioeconomic world. And like having to fend for yourself is hard mm. enough in a lot of these circumstances. And now you have the added burden of, yes. of a child. And there was an interesting study that also looked at how a lot of mothers suffer from things like depression and anger and anxiety because they can't provide adequately for the child especially because we live in a society that prioritizes ideal motherhood, the perfect mother. A lot of women then feel very angry, very resentful towards the child because the child's demands are exposing their own inabilities to provide in the way that they would like to. There was also an interesting sort of side effect. But the other, I think, important impact to discuss is especially when these mothers are very young, because if it's not sort of an, in a, a setting where the mother has peers of the same age, it can be a very isolating experience and very stigmatized as well with young yeah. mothers or teenagers where they can't interact with their peers in the same way. Education gets halted, their entrance into the workforce gets halted. And those things can have like a structural social impact, but I think for the psyche of the individual as well. Yeah, especially when it is a pregnancy that's a result of sexual violence because it's so unplanned. The agency of the mother is completely taken away. The feelings are so complex and I think the experience is complex. And just mentioning the young mother and you're saying, you know, she's in a totally different stage than the rest of her peers, but she's also too young to, you know, sit with an older woman. Now you're coming to terms with different dynamics, but you're also dealing with the pain that comes from the trauma of being a victim of rape. Exactly. And I think what we also see, which is interesting with motherhood, is that it can be an exciting time of reinvention for the individual as well, because they get this sort of new identity, you know, this sort of new outlook on life, priority shifting. But then, you know, that positive can also be overshadowed if you can't meet the needs adequately or you are being stigmatized or if you weren't looking forward to motherhood or it wasn't something that you had in your plan at that stage as well. And I think it can be very triggering for survivors. Renal, you know, you spoke about certain emotions like anger and pain, despair. Obviously, these are all sort of, you know, negative emotions, but I also think it's something that the mother probably has to go through. So. Is it okay and how does one normalize feelings like this? Yes, it's absolutely okay to normalize. And I think normalizing is such a handy tool we have in our sort of therapist's toolkit in terms of sexual violence, trauma, um, and around these feelings. Because I think especially with a subject like motherhood, there is such an ideal, a societal norm 
conventions about what the perfect mother is like. I mean, if you look at on Instagram or TikTok, it's full of people's comments around, oh, are you breastfeeding for this long? Are you doing natural birth? Very judgmental yes. space. Yeah. So if you do something wrong, you're going to ruin this child's life forever or you're a bad mother or all yeah. these things. So I think there's so much pressure put on mothers at the best of times. Now you have pregnancy that is not the result of a healthy, happy sort of relationship. So it is important to normalize and to help women feel that they are not crazy. They are not nasty. They're not bad mothers just because they feel this way towards their child, towards their family, towards whoever. I think that's so important because it it can help the mother's self-esteem so much. They can see actually these feelings are quite normal. Or, you know, it doesn't mean I hate my child. It doesn't mean I'm a bad mother, but sometimes I'm very angry. Or this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And I think that loss of not being a mother, that loss of being somebody who moves through the world sort of on their own terms all the time is also something that people don't talk about because you're supposed to just be happy. But I think when we normalize these feelings, it's important to also not take away how hard it is to go through because I think normalizing is super helpful in terms of helping people feel like they're not alone and that they're not crazy. It can also be sort of a way to be like, well, it's normal. So why are you so worried about it? But it is so hard to go through these emotions and these feelings and yeah. to feel inadequate, I think, as well. And it's important to normalize without minimizing the emotional distress that the mother is going through. Definitely. We need to start talking about this more because it's difficult enough dealing with it in silence, but you know, if it's a safe space and you can speak about your pain, you can speak about your sadness or your frustration, I think it makes that journey a little bit easier, you know, when you can get it out and you can speak about it and not be judged about feeling the way you feel. When there's so much into the trauma of sexual violence, then now I've got this sort of aftermath that's not the ideal, that isn't what you would have wanted or planned for yourself. You know, now you're supposed to just be happy. And that's not sure. reflecting human at all. We are expecting the impossible, yeah. As much as children need a village, and I think in the best of situations, moms need a village as well. But in this mm-hmm. case, you know, if we just speak about a village of support, whether it be the family or community or even support from government, how would the assistance look like? What would you say is the best way for support and assistance? It's so tricky. I think having open conversations about it and having civil society organizations that talk about motherhood, that talk about parenting, and that are also involved in legislation and monitoring how policy is working in practice, because we have beautiful policies, beautiful laws in terms of motherhood in certain ways and reproductive justice. But they are very seldom implemented in the way that they are written. And I think the government's role is to sort of adhere to those guidelines, but I think civil society's role to hold government accountable, but also to make services more accessible, especially in terms of labor and giving birth and things like that, or early childhood development. That's very concentrated in the urban areas and your big hospitals. And I think civil society should really be able to bring those services to you know people all over the country and all different sort of areas and terrains and that's sorely sorely lacking and you know women are dying as well in childbirth because of preventable issues because they don't have access to the healthcare that's available as well which I think is very very sad but I also think that an important part of this conversation 
and not just in terms of sexual violence, but in terms of, you know, motherhood in general. We need to look at things like paternity or things like male role models and male mentors as well, so that women are not shouldering the burden of childcare all by themselves. Because I oh, think yeah. that, that lack, that conversation around like fatherhood and around positive male role models and mentors and that kind of support network that mothers can tap into. But I yeah. think another thing that's important is to have organizations that work with maternal mental health because, you know, often, especially with women who are in lower income situations, the idea of self-care, looking after yourself and your mental health is seen as a sort of like a selfish yeah, silly, it's not even know. on the list of things to do because you're looking after everybody else except yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you sit with all this undealt with sort of stuff. And of course you're going to struggle. Of course you're going to explode. So I think to be able to prioritize and normalize things like that as well is really, really important. And dealing with how strengthening relationships between children and mothers as well. Because, you know, relationships between mother and child change over time. So it's important to also be able to you know, have places like the parent center or family counseling or FAMSA who work a lot with like, you know, parent-child dynamics and things like that so that they can give women support and training and ideas about healthy boundaries and childcare and things like that. Because a lot of people, they don't even know what to ask. And I think you have to deal with it on a case-to-case basis. It's not something that you can also just prescribe for a mother that's kind of been a victim. And now you also just spoke about there are certain examples and cases of, you know, that the mother becomes or became a mother even as a result of rape, but it can be a successful story. It can be a story of hope. So would you say that, you know, one can learn over time or someone can train this female to be a mother? Is it something that can be learned? Definitely. I wish that we had more questions like that in because I think it's such a taken for granted skill that it's sort of like just by virtue of the fact that you give birth or that you were pregnant you yeah even if you look at like the adoption processes in South Africa it's very rigorous you know it's not an easy process to get on that list you know you're not sort of home free you've got to go through a lot of checks you've got your home your work situation even like culturally like what kind of person are you you know, what is your mindset, like all of that. But we don't have those kinds of support or we don't have anything that points, you know, biological mothers in the right direction or in any direction, really, especially if they don't have access to, you know, your state-of-the-art resources or, or things like that. So um, definitely, and I think we, we must normalize this idea that you can go for, like, motherhood training or you can go for parental training. And that will over time as well. And I think so many people have had to learn on the job, as it were, because a lot of children are, are unexpected or, un, you know, they, they weren't <laughs> planned. Yeah. Um, and I think there are a lot of great organizations that prioritize, you know, these kinds of things, because it's so important that people pay attention to their parenting styles. I mean, it's, a, it's fascinating, at, you know, in counseling with sexual violence, a lot of people struggle when their support network is poor. And if they're, you know, a lot of it is about how their parents are not being supportive enough or not understanding or not being trauma informed. And then we go in and we do interventions where we will, you know, counsel the supporters and help them learn how to support their children through sexual violence. It helps so much just to have like somebody say, you know, maybe try this this way. 
instead of you know what you're currently doing as well yeah you know mothers are people lest we you know, forget <laughs> we, all, yeah. we all could use some training when we don't know any better I, I think it's just also a case of you know we can normalize not knowing and that's okay it's okay not to yeah. know everything under the sun and to ask for help especially mothers absolutely because it's yeah. also i think it's a grassroots thing as well like it doesn't have to be you know an organization or a psychologist or maternal or mental health projects or anything like that it's like at the level of the communities and the churches and schools workplaces yeah all of the those sort of like you know the, the access points the yeah have, yeah you have access to can be very very valuable i think to be able to normalize people like you said asking questions and also for people to feel that they don't have to meet certain ideals and expectations all the time I would let people feel more open to asking or being yeah. or acknowledging that they don't know or yeah. they think they're doing it wrong thank you for joining this week's episode of the health Zanzi podcast for more on our motherhood chat check out healthwomzanzi.co.za now remember if you are in a medical jam or just curious about some health and wellness trends you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za or send a whatsapp to 076-132-0454 yeah we don't blue tick So there you have it, gals and guys. Sometimes we arrive at spaces in our lives through trying journeys. So let us always try and show kindness and aim to create safe spaces whereby all, especially mothers, can thrive and feel safe. Till next time, keep well and stay healthy. Signing out, your girl Joe.